Welcome back into another episode of We're Talking. Today, we're talking Raging Cajun basketball with Mike Bear. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, thought of trying to analyze what happened Monday night, but we could talk about other things before that. Yeah, uh, you know, one, one of the things we didn't touch down, touch on that that much, uh, we talked about the assistant coaches and the uh, new assistant coaches coming in, but uh, Coach Zimmerman was promoted also. You want to talk, discuss that a little bit? Yes, with Coach Mars moving on to Ole Miss, uh, the new, there was a role for lead assistant. Coach Derek Zimmerman has taken that role, and he's taken a very positive step in practice. A couple of times I've been there, you know, you can tell he's in charge of running practice at times. He does have a connection to us, uh, besides being from uh, North Louisiana. He played in the game back in, I think it was 2002, when the Cajuns upset Mississippi State. He was on that Mississippi State team. You may recall Brad Boyd led a upset uh i think it was brad's sophomore junior year where he had a 30-point game or something like that when i mentioned that to coach zimmerman at one time he said yeah he, he himself played fairly well in that game but he always wants to remind brad that one of mississippi state's best players didn't play in that game <laughs> so, so uh there's a connection to us there back from you know when he played against us in our glory days but uh also watch him interact with the players you know like you can tell they have a lot of respect and like for him so you'll see him take a lead road on the bench during games at times. You know, it's funny how small the basketball world is. Uh, when when Coach Kevin Johnson was here, you know, he played for UT Pan American at the time. And actually, I still think holds the uh, record for three-pointers scored as an opponent in the Cajun Dome. So small really? basketball. Right. So. No, no doubt it is. I, yeah. I, I found that interesting when I when I looked that up one time to – to find out because it's hard to find stuff on UT Pan American because now they are U UT Rio Grand Valley or something. Right, like that. right. That's who they are. And Coach Zimmerman has, I think, more responsibility to the guards and forwards, uh, small forwards, where Coach Cates has more responsibility for the uh, the bigger guys. And and then you got uh, what's the new guy's game? The uh, oh man, you're gonna make the ball headed mind. ball headed young guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he's just learning the ropes. It's his first year here. Wow. That came from came to us from Texas Tech. Oh yes. Uh, oh yes. Perrin's his last name. Casey Perrin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty excited to be in his first game Saturday. I mean Monday night I saw him before the game. He was pumped up to be participating in his first game as a coach. Yeah, I know Coach Marlin had a lot of uh respect, has a lot of respect for him, and so did Coach uh Beard over at Texas Tech. So uh very good. Um Let's, uh, I forgot, I lost my place here. Any any word on anything you, that we can talk about on the scrimmages, though, that, that happened uh, before the season started? Yeah, well, we can say things in generalities. Uh, they were both contests, Nick, which will help us prepare for the regular season. We had two of them, one. They both were against local D1 schools, one here and one away. Uh, both were very competitive, went down to the wire. Uh, one of them here, I understand, uh, we didn't shoot free throws that well, uh, but we did, did do okay at the end. One on the road, I think we actually probably improved, uh, both contests. We played a lot of people, which you expect, but beyond that, we played a lot of different combinations. Okay. You might have this combination. Okay. Well, we want to see these are these last 35 and our backup five in practice. Well, you mix all that up where you might have guys who normally practice against each other, see how they do in, in the contest. Um, and, um, how, how important is that? Because I mean, I think it's important because of a couple of reasons. One, we see injuries throughout the year. 
uh, whether G- when Jakeen and Gant got sick, Kobe Julian went down. Kobe's not playing right now. So you're going to see guys playing uh, uh, in different positions. So how important is that for these scrimmages to get in those opportunities in a game situation? It's very important. One thing you might see, okay, usually we might have Michael Thomas in a point at the same time as Chancellor White. Well, in a scrimmage like that, maybe he's not. Maybe he's in down the same time as Greg Williams Jr. Maybe you're going to see, uh, in a scrimmage like that, you know, you might see a guy like Kyron Radliff, who may be redshirt this season, I understand that's new information I have, play a lot. Uh, maybe he'll play a center sometimes. Or you may go this, we saw this Monday night, where you go small, I call it, where Jordan won't be in the game. And, okay, who, who's going to be power forward at that time? So there's a lot of that that goes on. And that can lead you to um, not want to draw an analysis who wins and loses those games. Yeah, the biggest thing to me on this is they were both quite competitive, but when we're down to the wire, is it helps you prepare for the regular season when you're going to be in a close game in conference. So we've had really five of those. We had the three in Puerto Rico and the two scrimmages. Uh, one Monday night is actually a real contest with the people in the stands and things like that, regardless of the opponents. So we'll, those are all occurred now. We'll see how it goes now as we start proceeding for the more tougher opponents starting Friday night. Let's talk about the centenary game. I know for a lot of people, uh, it's a non-D1 opponent, very uh, um, different situation. But I know Dr. Maggard has has talked about that it's better to play the non-D1s than it is to play the team that's ranked 288 or 300 or 310, you know, type of deal. So, But I know for you, you look at things differently than most of the fans do. It's not so much the big win because it, it it you should win quite honestly, but but what else can you look at to get, glean from that as far as uh, how we play against Centenary? Okay, let me back up to your other point about the schedule. It's my understanding that the Sundell Conference will start limiting the number of non D one games you can play in the future. I don't have details on that, but you know that may cost the school some money because you're going to end up having instead of paying twenty thousand dollars to a local non-D1, you pay 50, 60, 70,000 for a school like the SWAC. And so, but uh, that's why Dr. Magler preferred these games because of from our RPI, whatever's used now, the net perspective, you know, they really don't hurt you, but uh, playing a team that's eight place in the SWAC can hurt you from that perspective. But we'll see the details on that. But the, I think the conference feels it's a perception thing. You don't want to be playing that many non-D1s. And I looked around the conference Scores over to, from Monday night, it's ridiculous how many schools won by 15 plus. And, and uh, there was what App State actually scored 80 points in the first half in their game. You know, so I, I was just going to say, you know, I think the also the directive is from the conference to come back and to add another home game to the schedule, which will be difficult. But I don't know if you heard Jeff Goodman from Goodman Hoops reported that the, the Mac and Sunbelt have, uh, uh, scheduled a or, or have agreed to a scheduling agreement to where there'll be one Mac team coming to to UL and UL will go to one Mac team, uh, I believe, starting next year. Yes, yeah, so I heard that uh, it was talked a little bit about the golf tournament I was uh, volunteered at, and we already know the uh, schools that we're going to play. They don't want to announce it publicly yet. Well, we know where we're going and we know who's coming here. Okay. Okay, and. Um, some they prefer Kusa in that we can't get Kusa to do it. And the reason they prefer Kusa is because you know there's some travel involved with going to the Mac schools. It would exactly. make a lot more sense for Kusa to do it. So maybe we can get them on board down the road. Yes, that's going to help in in the uh, 
scheduling, and maybe we'll also go to 20 conference games instead of 18. That's a possibility as well. So that, that could all go towards getting to the required number of home uh, D1 games. You know, okay. if, if if they could do something where even if they had another conference where all three conferences were adding teams, you know, like that, I think it would be beneficial to, to all three conferences. But, hey, what do yeah. I know? Yeah. Well, they may look at other schools besides Tusa. Yeah, you're correct on that. Okay. Now, the sedentary game. Okay. The final score does not matter. Um, I look at it a little differently. I said, through the years, I've come up with these set of criteria where if you accomplish these goals in these type games, it usually boils well that you may have success going forward. And one of the first ones I look at is what's the field goal percentage you allow? My standard on these is less than 40%. Well, we held sedentary less than 30%. And Defensively, I watched the cages real close, not necessarily individually on defense, but how do you play as a team? How do you rotate? Are you preventing people from getting into the lane? Are you forcing them to take tough twos? And if you get, if they're taking threes, are you be able to rotate back out and maybe close out well? And we did all that. Uh, individually, the only player I noticed, and not surprisingly, who maybe got lost a couple of times and he did better in the second half was Chan- freshman Chancellor White. I, I really didn't see the other defensive assignments that were missed. Um, so, and of course, you don't give them any layups either. You know, you don't turn the ball over. So a lot of good things went into keeping them uh, below uh, 30% with my percentage goal is 40 in these type of games. And 30, I think it was 29. In fact, there was a few times there was some air ball shot delayed in the shot clock by Centenary. So not necessarily in the, indicative of how well you did because of the opponent, but from what you can tell, we did what we're supposed to do. One other thing on, before I leave the defense is, Centenary only had four assists. One guy had three. You only know, four four assists. That's an indicator that you're playing well on defense as a group. Yeah, unable to get the ball moved around. Yeah, you brought up the shooting percentage uh, uh, in the first half for Centenary, 20.6. In the second half, 36.4. So, yeah, the defense, 28.4 overall. You like to see that uh, in uh, how, how – in the first half, I mean, normally that's a, the starters, especially for Centenary. Uh, what was was did Centenary play a lot of guys? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of guys. Yeah, they did. Play, they but... did. They played a lot of guys in the first half too. As soon as it got out of reach, okay. You know, with the, yeah, you know, beneficial for their guys too as they get ready for their season. Okay. Well, good. That's uh, good to know. What are some of the other things that you looked at? Okay. Well, beyond field goal percentage defense, with well, y'all data, what kind of field goal percentage do you want to shoot? <laughs> And I want it to be 45 to 50% in these type of games. 45 is usually good, plus in almost any college game. So you want to do that as a minimum. If you can reach 50, so much the better. We got 54. And uh, it was from all range. You know, we made 12 threes, several ups, baskets made near the goal. And I was pleased that we seemed to finish at the goal better than now in the past, although we did miss a couple of dunks. And usually that's just trying to get excited. When I say finish, that doesn't mean a duck. It means you can lay it up off the goal correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, we had 18 assists, which means you're moving the ball correctly. We had 34 goals, field goals made, and 18 assists. That's over 50%. That's outstanding. That's meaning you're moving the ball well. Uh, new point guard, Pimas uh, Folks, junior college transfer, who did start over Michael Thomas, and that was going back and forth. Uh, he had an outstanding game. Seven assists, only one turnover. And I take that every time, regardless of the opponent. And he also scored in double figures. Um, so, great game from him. Talked to a local high school coach uh, here in the area. Uh, 
what he think of the game message. First name he brought up, he said having a competent point guard like that, and it's going to help you going forward. So outstanding there. Uh, we also made 12 threes, 12 out of 27. Uh, three or four of the others were looked like they were going down and spun out, but you had 43% on your threes. And a lot of that came from uh, catching the ball uh, in rhythm, being able to go up, catch it, shoot, square your legs, and go right up. So the reason we made 12 threes was not because, you know, we're jumping over people. It's because the ball was moving correctly and the guys were open when they got it. Ball went inside and out very well. I always talk about Jordan Brown. I love to see him throw the ball out more correct. And he had three assists of his own. So that happened a couple of times. Jordan took a couple of threes himself. People said, what is he doing that? Well, last season he made them. Didn't make them uh, the other night. And uh, he scored uh, quite a bit of baskets himself, of course, as the leading scorer. He was a dominant player on the floor. Beyond scoring at the goal, uh, he actually uh, had some nice mid-range moves off the glass, you know, seven, eight feet. Doesn't have to be a dunk every time. Got a few of those as well. But he also made eight out of nine free throws, I believe. Was it? I think he only missed one. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. back to his three-pointing uh, shooting, he was he was 0 for 3, but at the same time, I think this is a game that you want him to kind of take those and see what, see what he has at that ability. I know last year he shot much better. Obviously he didn't shoot zero. So I have no problem with him doing it, especially in games like this to, to give, to give him some range and some feel, because that's one of the things that Jordan wants to play at the next level. He's going to have to be able to, to move outside and make a shot. Yeah. Well, last season he didn't take that many, but he was in either high thirties or low forties. Very competent. Okay. Um, so we talked about the the percentages on offense and defense. Rebounding is something I like to see. You need to out-rebound your opponent by at least 10, and we were way more than that. How much did we out-rebound our opponents? I mean, 15 or so here? Sorry, I'm switching around here. Uh, <laughs> trying to look at different things. Uh, their rebounds were oh, 20. Oh, 20. Yeah. 29.49. Okay. The, uh, I've got 29.51. So. Okay. Yeah, you might have updated stats, but regardless, it's over 20. Yeah. So yeah. So it beat my goal by a substantial amount, and you should out rebound them when you have that much size. But it also rebounding is about effort, intensity, uh, also instinct, knowing where the, the ball is, re- reaction time. And the key guy on there to me was early in the game was Terrence Lewis, uh, the guy who transferred from Jackson State. He had nine rebounds in 19 minutes, but he probably had five or six of those in the first five minutes of the game. It set the tone for the game. You know, you get a good shot, maybe it doesn't go, but you got a guy like that to come home. And he's not necessarily ducking the ball. He's getting his rebounds just from intensity and positioning. Uh, that aspect, as well as the uh, junior college guy who played well at, at guard, got, has me encouraged for the future. So he's the guy I'd uh, focus on in the future if you're looking for rebounding. And, yeah. You know, Jordan last year was 12 for 26 for 46%. So I'm not – I'm not going to say uh, never shoot the ball if you can hit 46 percent, even even though you went 0 for three in this in this first contest. So, uh, very yeah. interesting. All right, let me go back. Can we go back to something I forgot to mention earlier yeah. on the, our defensive percentage? Okay, uh, late, well, ten minutes to go or so in the game. You know, send there. He's got a guy who gets hot. They go small. They're playing five guards, six five six guards, six guards hitting some shots from the outside, and Jordan's Gordon. And Jordan's playing fine on defense. He's getting them to go. But so they, what they do this interesting thing is they put Joe Charles on that guy. 
and you know, Joe comes in on the bench, and so is the defensive versatility. And all of a sudden, that guy can't hit because Joe's just a little bit quicker defensively, moves his feet, his arms are almost as long, and he shuts that guy down. Okay, nobody notices that in a game when you're winning by 50, but that's encouraging for when you're playing in a tough conference game and a guy gets hot in the perimeter, and you got a 6'8 guy can go out there and guard him. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a guard to that, or you'll make the guy drive, and all of a sudden he's taking tough twos instead of being able to just jump over you. That's a lot of versatility you can have out there. How, how, how many of because it, it doesn't show the breakdown here, but Joe Charles also had 11 rebounds on the night. I mean, were those, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think a lot of those were in the second half okay. when the game was out of reach, when, you know, the game uh, free flowing a little bit, not that he uh, did poorly at all. You know, I'm not saying that number is not uh, very encouraging. It's just, Beginning of the game when it's still, you know, somewhat competitive is with Lewis was the guy I noted. And I think Joe, how many minutes did Joe play compared to uh, Lewis? Probably very similar. Uh, 12 and 20. Uh, Joe had uh, uh, 21 minutes. Uh, Lewis had 19. So Right. So it's pretty much so the, yeah, the rebounds are pretty close. The rebounds per minute there. Yeah. Okay. Back another point I'm on the offense. You know, we talking about made 12 threes. We had six different guys make a three. <laughs> you know, uh, Chancellor made three, I believe, or two, and uh, Jalen Dalcourt made three. So you had two guys come off the bench and knock down threes. And so regardless of the opponent, you still got to put it in the hole if you get an open look. So, so that's encouraged. Vinny Sagona had two. Uh, ten guys played, and everybody scored at least six points. I'm, I can't I'm remember. I've seen that, yeah. So six different guys made a three. And Joe Charles usually takes a few. I don't think he took one. So interesting how games flow. So those are some of the things that struck out to me on offense and defense went back. And where were we now? Okay. No, I, we were, we were, uh, we were, we were talking rebounds uh, in last, we had mentioned Joe, Joe Charles actually had four rebounds, uh, seven defensive. And then Lewis, you're talking about four rebounds, uh, offensive, six defensively. So 13 offensive rebounds. So, okay. Yeah, good. Okay. We want to move on. I also look at, okay. Um, What's your assist number? What's your turnover number? Well, you want to force 10 more turnovers than you commit. It was 18-12. That was the only number in there. And I said, hey, we should have probably forced a little more, had a few less. Uh, our point guard only, starting point guard only had one, so that's encouraging. But 12 is actually a good number for a college game. In fact, our coaches say if we can be 12 or under in any game, regardless of the opponent, we're probably going to win. Yeah. So we had on the ball, okay, a couple of times, some of them occurred, I think, late in the game, we may have had three possessions in a row that we had turnovers. So it's always get sloppy at the end of these type games. Uh, now we only forced 18. I'd like to see that number higher, but for a game of this nature, I don't know why we didn't really trap or press a lot, which could force a lot of turnovers. We played our normal half court defense most of the game. So that may be why uh, the number wasn't. So that's the only stat I said that didn't meet my standards as far as uh, my pre my goals and evaluate this type of game. Mike, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the uh, the centenary uh, part of the schedule, and then we'll talk uh, more about what's going on coming up for the Cajuns. You've been listening, and we're talking tonight, today, actually, Craig Malasson and Mike Abear. We'll be right back after this brief message. Welcome back into We're Talking. We're talking Raging Cajun basketball with Mike Abear. Mike, what are some of the other things you look for? I know we talked a lot of statistics there, and which probably might bore some people, but at the same time, you're given a lot of insight into those statistics. 
and why you're look at, looking at them. So what are some other things uh, that you're looking at uh, during a game such as this one? Well, I want to see that you're playing consistently throughout the game and, and not slacking off because of your opponent. So one of the things I want to see is at some point in the first half in this type of game, I want to see a 20-point lead. I mean, uh, and we actually got it that with about you know, 10 minutes to go. Uh, got over 30 with about five minutes to go, and it was 38 and a half. So the lead continually grew, which indicates you continually well. Uh, I'd like to see, depending on the opponent, the quality of the non-D1, either 25, 30-point lead in the second half. Final score does not matter because very t often in these type of games, the last three or four minutes, the benches are cleared on both teams, and they can get really sloppy. So, but we uh, actually we got 30-point lead in the first half, which is my second half goal. And then we actually got a 50-point lead and won by over 50. So we played well throughout the game. You continually built upon the lead, which means you're continually playing with intensity. So uh, that's got to be encouraging. I noticed a lot of other teams in the league had very similar scores. Uh, I don't know if they evaluated the intensity I had, but a lot of teams in the league are playing these type of games, and you had a lot of scores. Actually, our score was probably as impressive as any of them. Um, so that's what I want to see. It's consistent throughout. I know in this post-game, Coach Marlin uh, – was happy in dealing with that other than the last three or four minutes. And I didn't really think it was that bad, you know, I'll say, and I watched it every second. Well, I think as a coach, uh, you know, he, he I'm not going to say look for perfection, but I, I think he wants uh, these younger guys to step up and, and give that, give, give themselves an opportunity to play later on. So I get it, but yeah. we, we look at it different. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, well, coach is always looking for something to improve upon. You know, and, uh, that, that can happen in, in any sport. Always, I coach high school bowling, and I always look at them, my bowlers. They can always get better. None of them ever bowled three hundred. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the uh, individual play. I know uh, Jordan Brown gets a lot of uh, attention, as he should. Uh, nine for twelve uh, in field goal, so uh, eight for nine at the free throw line, which is really good. Uh, but what else do you want to see? I, I mean, is there, I shouldn't say what else, is there anything else you want to see out of Jordan's play? A little more intensity at times, and maybe that's just his personality, but uh, his play the other night was uh, very impressive because on his nine field goals, he had a variety. He had some dunks, he had you know, some mid-range moves, uh, almost scored from three different directions, missed a couple of those threes. But, you know, the moves he made, he was actually double teamed a couple of times, but he'd find a way to split the double team. You know, he wasn't forcing the shot. Even though he's doubled, he's finding a way to get the shot off using his athletic ability and just jump over people. Or he can, you know, several goals that he made were uh, right around six, seven feet. One, a couple of them were left-handed even. So very impressed with him. He was obviously the best player in the court. He was been, he's been the best player in the court in – Every time we played this year, three games in Puerto Rico, both scrimmages, and obviously by wide margin on uh, Monday night. Kind of, let's move on to some of the other guys, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay, the starting lineup, you know, which I didn't know what it was going to be, was Timus Folks at point guard, and we talked about how well he played. Uh, Kentrell Garnett at off guard, and, you know, he and uh, Jalen Dalcourt have been alternating there. Who knows who's going to start per game? But, you know, Kentrell actually – Hit a couple of threes. He actually made the first basket of the game. I think he ended up with Jalen played more than he. Uh, Greg Williams Jr. was the starting uh, small forward. He's, he had his normal close right at double figures, but he really played outstanding on defense. When I talked about people uh, 
rotating correctly and leading the defense out there and being the leader and communicating where people should be. That was great. So pleased with him. Uh, from that perspective, uh, I also don't think he missed as many shots near the goal as he did. Yeah, yeah, he was three for eight, or whatever like that. But I always wonder how well he finishes. Is that sort of a question? I didn't see that uh, Monday night, so that's encouraging as well. And Darren Lewis, of course, was the guy who started Paul Ford ahead of Joe Charles, but that's because the getting on the rebounds. You know, he's the rebounder. Joe's the defensive stopper coming off the bench. And, of course, Jordan started at center. Uh, off the bench, Michael Thomas spelled Timas. Uh, folks, Thomas did okay. Uh, right now, I'd say, uh, folks, the way he plays, probably going to continue to start. He's a little bit stronger. Jalen Alcourt came off the bench a small guard, uh, the off guard. And he, had, he had made three threes himself. He's a good defensive player. Nothing, no complaints about his game. He also had helped in some traps and get some get the defense going. Chancellor White was the pure freshman who backed up Greg at uh, small forward, just like I thought he would. He had 11 points, three threes. Got lost a couple times on defense. His shot is smooth. He looked at him good. You know, again reminds me of Byron Starks. And we talked about Joe Charles already. Who else did I miss? And Vinny Stagon is the pure freshman uh, guard out of uh, Dallas area. He was two for five, something like that. Bolder shots, threes, but almost all of his others all looked like they were going down. You can tell his strokes, his stroke is smooth. So, um, what's going to happen going forward is who starts. I think it'll be depend upon which who the opponent is on a matchup basis. You mentioned earlier, though, uh, uh, Kyrene Radcliffe uh, possibly redshirting. Any idea what's going on there, or why, or is it just? My only guess is okay because they're they, you need to make room for uh, when Kobe comes back. Okay. Yeah, and so that that's a lot of fours when Kobe comes back. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen in this age of the portal and transfers and NIL and all that kind of stuff. But in the long run, he'll get – it may be great for him, you know, for development. And we'll lose a lot of players off this, this team this year, so now you can build for four more years if the guy stays. So I think it's not necessarily indicative of his ability at all. It's just a matter of uh, numbers and yeah. pre preparing to put Kobe in the lineup when he shows up. He's got nice size at 6'8", 205, so that's why I was kind of curious. They did use him in the scrimmages, but that doesn't really count. Yep. And he also played probably five to ten minutes in each of the three games in Puerto Rico. Again, that doesn't hurt you. All right, anything else about the the game that you want to touch on? Uh, not really. Uh, I do want to touch on one thing that I forgot when we were talking about the preseason. We, I forgot to mention that we had sponsored, talked about trying to promote the fundraising golf tournament they had back in the end of October. Uh, they had 16 teams participate. Everybody had a great time. They raised almost $6,000. Uh, weather was sort of iffy. Thought it was going to rain. Before that rain held off to the next day. So good fundraising event there. Uh, that money along with the rebounders is used basically to help players when they travel. You know, try to get them a better meal. Maybe they can, every dollar you help can get you a, a, a charter flight versus commercial. If they can get a couple of those, that really helps the team. Not only academically, but you know, a lot more rest when they go play. So that was a successful event. Hope to do it again next year. Beyond the 16 teams, they, they raise money by doing things like mulligans. Okay, I can throw off this shot or I can start it from the red tee instead of the blue tee, things like that. All those dollars, everyone helps. So that was a good thing. Um, that's it for Centenary and things. And the offseason, it's time to look ahead. Yep. What's going on? Uh, have you had a chance to look at what's coming up in Nashville? This coming yeah, week. we play Asheville in Asheville in the normal four-team tournament. You know where the winners play 
each other in the following game. We'll play Harvard at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. That's an ESPN Plus game. Of course, they'll have it as normal. Uh, Harvard last year was 13-13. and 13. Uh, They had three starters back. Morehouse College is who they played Monday night, and they won 68-63. to 63. I think that's a uh, surprisingly close game. They did, they did lead by 20 in the first half. So why it got close in the second half, I don't know. Um, I know they're, they have their three starters coming back. Ludlam, I think, is one of their best players. He's got 22. Uh, they seem to be their best players or their forwards. They don't really play center. They play forwards. But I did notice this. Even though they beat Morehouse College at a 20-point lead, they did get out-rebounded by Morehouse. So that may be encouraging for us, you know, Jordan and uh, Lewis, the way I talked about earlier, how well we rebounded. So look for that when we play against um, Harvard on Friday afternoon. And then the other teams in the tournament are Elon and uh, East Tennessee State. Elon is actually a school in North Carolina, uh, North NC State. I mean, uh, East Tennessee State is obviously in Eastern Tennessee. East Tennessee State last year was 13 and 15, so you think they might be the lead team going in this. But in those wins, they beat Murray State and Georgia, an SEC team. I looked at a lot of their scores from last season, and they lost a lot of games, but within a couple, you know, within five points. So who knows? But beating Murray State, and that Murray State now has three of their players from last year's team at LSU, and most of them are going to start. So that was an impressive win. Uh, I don't know how many players they have coming back, but I did notice that Elon had a poor record last year. Uh, they won 10 games, but they beat James Madison, who's now in our league, is one of their 10 wins. So, you know, college basketball with a three-point shot, anybody can beat anybody. So uh, we'll play Sunday afternoon, depending if we win or lose. That game, those games are on ESPNU, or maybe it's just the finals, but uh, they're 130 and 3.30. So let's plan on uh, – Winning on Friday against Harvard and playing at 3.30 uh, against the winner of the other game on a Sunday afternoon. Any surprise that the games are Friday and Sunday as opposed to back-to-back days, Friday and Saturday? No, because it's college football season. Ah, you got me. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know yeah, a lot yeah. of times when, when they do that, uh, Coach Marlin likes to play two days in a row because it kind of gets the, the team ready for – uh, get or not ready necessarily, but get get some used to what's going to happen in the conference tournament. So yeah, that's one of the reasons he liked going to Puerto Rico because it was three games in three days, yeah, yeah with, with different times. Yeah, but uh, you normally you would see a Friday Saturday, but Saturday's college football all over. So yeah. I'm okay with Friday Sunday here, and then um, following that, our next home game is a week from tomorrow against Louisiana Tech, and we can uh, delve into that the uh, next time we we visit. Okay. But, but, oh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I did want to say one thing. One thing about Centenary Beyond the play on the court, I was pleasantly surprised to see 2,800 people there for a, on a Monday night, night before election day, against a non D1 opponent with a really good amount of students there. So that's encouraging going forward. We'll need them all there for we play tech next week. How, how, um, are the students still con- confined to behind the goal? Yes, yes. That's I mean, years and years ago, back in UNI school, they used to be yeah. behind uh, opponents' bench, yeah. and that's frowned upon by the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, and and you also can those are prime seats to sell. Yes, uh, I think we're the uh, we're the only one though, not the only one uh, that keeps our students away from the other team. 
uh, not the only one I'll say, but I, I, I've been to other arenas and I don't understand why we give our prime seats behind the, the bench to visiting fans, which remain empty. And then when we go up to Arkansas state, they put us or little rock and they put us up in the corner uh, as far up as you can go in their arenas. So, yeah, I agree with you. They would have to ask the Dr. Magnet. He may not be able to do anything about it. That may be a Sunbelt conference rule, but yeah, uh, it'd be nice to have the students behind those Yantech bench next Thursday night, wouldn't it? Yes. So, <laughs> anything else that that you saw or want to talk about that's coming up before we uh, call it a night, call it a day? Jeez, no, no I'm mixed. I am mixed up. <laughs> yeah, it's still day. Uh, trying to think of anything that's to say is uh, it's, it was hard to find anything negative so far the way things have gone. Yes. Yeah, everything's positive. What's going to happen when something's not so positive? How the team reacts? They can rebound well from maybe a disappointing loss and put that behind them quickly. That usually tells you because, believe me, they're not going to go 30 and 0. There's going to be yes. some games that are not going to play as well. And if you can respond from, rebound from those real quickly, then you'll have a good season. I think the next three games are going to show us a lot about this team. So, yeah. It's a, a definitely a different level of competition. So, right now, uh, but we have played pretty good similar levels in our scrimmages so far. But again, you're not trying to win those; you're trying to actually help yourself prepare for the season. So, this will be the first time uh, that we're actually in a must-win situation. A must-win, an exaggeration, since the end of last season. So, it'll be interesting what happens Friday evening. Absolutely. I'll be I'll be watching it, and um, hopefully, we'll be uh, have ESPN U on on uh, Sunday. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, you've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malasso and Mike Abear, King of the Mid-Grades Jump Shot, brought to you today. So we'll talk again soon. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.